This is Louise Greenwood um, from Wessex LMCs and I'm going to chat um, this afternoon to Helene Irvin um, about group consultations. So Helene, if you'd like to introduce yourself, please. My name is Helene Irvin. I'm the nurse advisor at Wessex LMCs. Great. And we've heard a little bit, there seems to be a buzzword at the moment, and we've done a little, few training sessions, haven't we, on group consultations. So can you tell me a little bit about what are they? So group consultations or shared medical appointments are not new. They've been running in Europe, um, America and Australia for quite some time. Um, They are actually named in the 10 high impact changes in the GP forward view and it's an alternative way, a sort of a new consultation type. The main thing about them is that they are patient-led. So they are directed very much by patients. Patients come and raise questions and issues and it's their agenda, not ours as clinicians. So I guess that's the sort of new slant on them, really. That's what makes them a bit different. And that would scare, I'm imagining, quite a lot of nurses and doctors thinking, oh my goodness, generally we have 10 minutes for an appointment and we know what we would like, the information we would like to give the patient, obviously to listen to the patient back too, but if it's all about the patient, surely the the appointment's going to take forever and it's going to be very time-consuming. no, it's about running differently. So traditionally, for example, in a diabetic review, you probably have 30 to 40 minutes to spend with each individual patient. This is about getting a group of patients with similar um, health issues together to discuss between them in a group and to share information. It's about them sharing their own experiences. Um, it's about them normalising, perhaps, the, the fact that they all share similar concerns around their health. And it's um, empowering them, really, to take control um, and to gain knowledge within that, that group. Okay, so what sort of medical conditions or complaints might these patients have that makes them want to sort of share? And... Uh, they've been run in a variety of, of, of different topics, really. Uh, diabetes is a very common one, asthma, uh, COPD. They've done some around mental health. Um, I've uh, heard of a nurse who's actually considering doing one with young people and contraception so she's linking in with the um the local schools and they're going to sort of do a joint venture some people looking at uh the menopause um and they have been running in secondary care as well for example groups of sort of parkinson's strokes that sort of stuff rehabilitation so there's quite a variety really of topics that it could uh, it could focus on wow and so the purpose is to help the patient to help the practice what what what's sort of the purpose of them mainly the purpose really is um to create an environment for unrestricted dialogue between patients. So what tends to happen is that um, anything from 10 to 20 people can come. I think the timing is very important and, and who your focus group, who the population is you're targeting. So running them on the morning may not be applicable. It may be better to run them on an evening or a weekend. So it very much depends on your population group and the needs of your population. Um, it's to create insights. So looking at health outcomes, patients that say feel very empowered, they feel... Uh, more confident into into looking at addressing their health concerns um, and they tend to take more ownership of it and the other thing is about the social interaction that takes place within the group so often you will have add-on things that will come from the group so for example somebody may come and say gosh I see you've lost weight how have you done that well I've done that by walking when do you walk when I walk on a Wednesday oh that's really good do you mind if I come with you and, and, and do that so that's a, just a conversation between that's the patients a conversation between the patients okay. within the group so I think people have found that then there's been other other sort of groups that have evolved as a result of people coming to the group consultations that's really positive <coughs> isn't it and 
I would have thought that, say, a diabetic patient might be a little bit self-conscious of talking about, I don't know, um, their recent blood results or maybe their weight or, or their insulin or, or anything like that. Do patients have a nervousness about sharing information? It doesn't appear so. I think it's very important to think how you're going to market it, how you're going to sell it, because you need to sell the benefits, obviously, to staff as, as well as to patients. And the letter you send out and the way you introduce the session, I think, is really, really important. You may want to target those patients that you think may be more motivated to attend, um, and those with success rates. And in fact, I think in some instances, they've actually brought patients back who've attended previous group consultations to say you know, how they benefited from it. It is about sharing information, so uh, there is no one way to run it. That's the important thing to say. Okay. So you can run it however you want. There's no strict format of how a group consultation should be run. Uh, and I think that some people find think that that's the case, and that's not the case. Um, and I th- what tends to happen is, for example, diabetes, that when the patients arrive or the people arrive, they will have a list of their names on the board, on the wall, with all their blood results, their weight, their BMI and everything else. Because that sort of feels it's against all the usual rules of confidentiality and protecting it does. Day. That's really interesting. It does, but it, people don't seem to, to mind that at all. Mm-hmm. They find it, I think, something I find it quite motivated. They like to share their successes. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to have some group guidelines, if you think, if you like, you know, some safety within the group. So before you start your group, it's important the group all agree with some contracts within the group, the fact that, you know... It's preferably not going to be shared outside the group. But in saying that, you know, patients will sit in the waiting room and, and talk about why they're there and what's happened and what's not. So confidentiality doesn't need to be issued. And the way the group runs, patients aren't, don't have to adhere to the same confidentiality agreement that we do as professionals. Okay. I suppose that, yes, if a patient is in a waiting room sharing information, they know they're sharing it and they're yes. willingly doing it. It's, yes. it's something different if, yes. and third party then stuff um, pushes on that information isn't it okay so we've mentioned facilitating you mentioned sort of organizing sending out letters who is involved in running this within the general practice well there is normally somebody within the practice who sort of sets up the you know diabetic reviews or the appointments so you probably do need some sort of coordinator in the practice who's going to send out letters and find out who's going to attend because you need to know who's going to attend so you can have all the results and everything else available before they come you do need a facilitator in the group and um, that doesn't always have to be a clinician. So some people will run it by having um, a healthcare assistant or an admin person who will start the group uh, dialogue going and then the clinician comes in the end. They normally run for about one or two hours and a lot of people actually have taken them outside of the GP surgery and put them into other environments because it sort of demedicalizes the model and the approach to how things are going. They're normally very informal, uh, sometimes tea and coffee's organized, etc. There's sort of a minimum because groups tend to work, if it's too small, people don't want to open up and it can become unmanageable if the group is too big. Mm. So the role of the facilitator is very much to manage the space, manage the dialogue, manage the conversation, um, to keep the group steered and um, onto what they're sort of discussing and also very good for sort of timekeeping, drawing things to a close. And then the important thing is to summarise how, how the session went because mm. there may be common themes that have come up that have not been addressed, but you mm. may want to consider that for the next the next session okay so does the facilitator have to have special training to learn how to manage a group and would they have an agenda at the beginning of the session to say today we want to run through or would they just leave it to the patients or how does that work absolutely run to the patients so we have to remember it's patient-led and sometimes with clinician that's a a different style of 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 working um i think any clinician has the skills it's a bit of um a 
change it's an unknown you know taking out of your safe space but i think anybody has the ability to do it what happens is the patients come with one or two questions a list of questions that they would like discussed in the group and the beauty of that is if you have 10 or 15 people in the group you know there's an awful lot of sharing and exchange that's going to take place but again it's very much patient focused and patient led okay so it sounds great are there any disadvantages to it uh, disadvantages I suppose are um, some patients may not want to come and that's okay mm. because it's not there to replace all consultations it's mm. an alternative way you know with the pressures of workload and um, workforce really and demand on, 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 on appointments it's a different way of doing things um, some staff find it, it's unusual because we've never done it that way so it's a bit of a learning exercise for them as well and you know, sometimes they're not successful. That doesn't really matter. I think it's just a matter of having a go. Don't, don't overthink it. Mm. Just go in there and have a go. If it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. You can revisit why not, but it's definitely worth having a go. There are lots of positives. Um, as I said, patients feel more empowered. They feel more engaged. They feel more in control of their own, own health. They actually think that the quality of interaction is much better than when they're on a one-to-one. They feel they have more time to spend with a clinician or the facilitator. Um, they the results appear to improve as well so there's been some research that said that after 12 months 69% of the people who attended in relation to diabetes had an improved BMI 84% had a better BP control and they all said that they had improvement in sort of the self-confidence to deal with some of the issues around their particular particular condition um, I think there's a lot of social interaction, it's a lot of broad discussion that goes on, maybe picking up on topics or issues that you wouldn't necessarily deal with in a one-to-one. Um, from the staff's perspective, I think it's an effective way of seeing more patients. We know the quality of the outcomes are improved, so it's more motivating. It's less monotonous. You know, when you're doing long-term conditions, often you're saying the same thing to the same patient all the time. And that can feel quite isolating mm-hmm. as well. Um, and it's a different way of doing things and you have longer time to spend with patients. And we have, um, we have found that when we've, we've analysed some of the data, the cost effectiveness, that doing group consultations potentially can save you, if you're seeing sort of 16 patients, about three hours of a wow. nurse's time, which is, which okay. is quite significant. Really. So would the facilitator who's obviously um, looking after the, that particular group consultation record any of the information or any, any details of the, of the discussion on patient record? Is, is there any sort of admin <coughs> that you have to do afterwards to follow, mm. follow so up on that? People have talked about how does this fit in with COF? So mm. you can use them as annual review. You've already got the data available before the patients come because it's all on the screen. Um, and you can sort of, you know, tick the boxes to record on the data on the patient's information they attended a group consultation and maybe these topics were discussed so it may be around physical activity it may be about nutrition and healthy eating you know so you could some of the mental health that might fit in with that as well so you could actually tick that that being um you know on a template that that had been discussed as part of that group consultation okay so it just sounds really good and it's making it sound um quite straightforward and your enthusiasm is infectious um so I want to start, um, I'm in a practice, um, I'm a practice nurse, what do I do? How do I start this? Well, you can certainly contact us, but we do now have a, um, some information on the website about group consultations. It takes you through some of the background of group consultations, how to start one up, what you need to think about, what the sort of, on the day, what would happen on the day. 
We've even put a letter that we've adapted from um, one of our trainers. She's kindly shared that with us that you could use for your practice population because there's, there's no set rules and we can't tell you what to do. You have to identify who your patients are, what your population needs are, and you need to adapt it to your specific practice in your population. So I think that you'll find the, the booklet quite informative, um, and but if not, then obviously contact us here at the LMC and we can talk you through it. Okay, and just thinking the, the little bit wider, PCNs, people working together, could you work this across um, a number of practices? And do you have any problems with seeing a nurse, I'm just thinking insurance sort of thing, seeing somebody else's patient? Is there, is there anything that we need to be, people should just be aware of when they're setting it um, up? Hope, I mean, with the involvement of PCNs, that shouldn't be an issue thinking about indemnity and confidentiality and accessing information and this is no different really to the healthy leg concept as well you know the Lindsay leg um, club and how those those have been successes and certainly it depends on your numbers and your volume so if you felt that perhaps you weren't going to have enough responses there's no reason why a group of practices couldn't do it and initially if you felt that you were unsure about the facilitation role maybe you could marry up you could pair up to, to get you know to get things moving and then feel confident to run them by yourself. So it is absolutely something that could be done PCN-wide. Okay, that has been so useful, Helene. Thank you, that's been really helpful. Um, if anybody listening would like to have some more information, please contact us at Wessex LMCs and we'd be more than happy to help. Thanks very much.